Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How's everybody doing? Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you're at. Welcome, what the fuckers. It's nice to have you. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Oh, I'm sorry. I'd like to reach out to my uh, what the fuck buddies and what the fucking ears. I guess I'm not completely committing to a name here because I seem to like saying all of them. I actually just woke up. I'm just getting up out of bed. It's relatively early as I record this for me. I don't know. I get up really early. I don't know when that happened. I don't know if it's because I got old. I don't know when that happened, but I can't sleep in. I I heard that as you get older, you tend to wake up earlier. You sleep less. I guess that's something about your, your internal clock that knows biologically that you're running out of time. You better get all the time in that you can because time is running out. When you're younger, I mean, I could sleep till 11, 12. I'd stay up till three or four and sleep all day if I had to just to get that nourishment, to get that mental nourishment, the long sweep, to sweep off the the drugs or the alcohol, or just not to get out of fucking bed. But now I am up. I I went to bed at like 2 last night, and I'm up at 6.30, just wide-eyed, and it felt like something was sitting on my chest. I'm not sure what that was about. It wasn't panic necessarily. I tend to think it's uh, my body craving nicotine because at the amount of nicotine I'm dumping into it, at least when I smoke cigarettes... I knew how much I was getting into because my lungs hurt and I'd smoke a pack and a half, two packs a day. But with the gum and the lozenges, I'm eating them like candy. I never have, I don't, I don't ever not have one of them in my mouth. I don't right now. I got a little criticism from some of my listeners about the Dave Attell interview and I was eating Skittles. What was I supposed to do? He gave me Skittles. But I think my body was just screaming for uh, nicotine. I don't know. I was just up. I had a big night last night. It was a good way to start the day. To be up with uh, that pressing feeling of life sitting on your chest, crushing your chest, telling you to get out of bed. And then I got out of bed and I missed the timing. You know, my uh, the, the woman who lives at my house, who is not my roommate because I'm too old to have a roommate. It's, she lives at the house. Uh, she gets up, takes a shower, gets ready to go to work. I got one bathroom. I missed, the, I missed my window of opportunity to get into the shower and get ready for my day. Uh, before she did, and I don't really need to get ready for the day. What am I going to dress up to come out here to the garage to talk to you? But I did need to pee. That happens in the morning. You, you got to pee. And when she's in there, depending on how long I put off peeing, that's another thing I really don't understand about sleeping and knowing you got to pee, but insisting on sleeping and then just keep waking up, having to pee more, whatever. This is not a discussion to have. But I was uh, in the awkward position. I've been here a few times lately where I... I, it's not even awkward. It's actually pleasant. I go out into my backyard and I pee outside. And it's pretty glorious out where I live. Uh, it, the The cat ranch is set, set in a nice a nice area, my little two-bedroom cabin up here on the hill. But there's something uh, quite satisfying about standing outside on your back porch or deck, my rotting deck, thanks to the rain. It was already rotting. Now I, I, I don't even trust it. I'm afraid to have people over for a dinner party because I don't want a lawsuit because someone fell through the deck. But now I'm out there peeing off the deck, and I got to tell you, it was—it's a, a good way. It's a good way to start the day. I recommend it. I know some of you city dwellers may not be able to do it, but I say, you know, fuck it, break the rules, go out into the hallway, climb up the stairwell to where the roof door is, go out on the roof, pee off the roof. 
good morning. I know it's a little cold for that, but that makes it even more exciting. I'm I'm telling you, I, I know that maybe in the movie network, you know, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. I say, let's go a little further. I want people peeing off of their roofs, out of their windows, on the street, just peeing. I think that's statement enough. And it's not even an angry statement. It's It's a declarative statement of one's freedom. And why should that be taken away from you? Why am I talking about this? Then the ritual continues. I've got a lemon ritual I do where I, I, I make lemonade every morning to take my mountain of vitamins. Now I put oregano in the vitamins because I didn't feel well yesterday. This always happens to me too. When I have something important to do, I start to feel like I'm getting sick. And you know, I've had a few colds already. So I took all the vitamins and then the woman who lives in my house is bringing ice cream into the house on a regular basis. So last night, I eat you know, like a pint of ice cream. I take a handful of oregano tablets. So I'm burping up caramel, vanilla, and oregano all night, which is not pleasing. But I digress. Well, we did the pilot taping last night. I've been talking about it. I had a little development deal with Comedy Central to do a pilot presentation, which is basically a, a TV show. A TV, we, we made a TV show a very inexpensive TV show. Uh, what happens in this process is you get a deal. I pitched a show based on the WTF idea. I told you I had a co-host, Chelsea Peretti, who you met recently. And we had film elements. We had the, the, the dumpster diving element. We had a panel. Kyle Kinane was on and Lori Kilmartin, who you'll meet soon on this show. Uh, w. Kamau Bell, also, you'll meet soon on this show. Um, and we put together... A TV show with all the elements, you know, with the money we, you know, I hired a producer, I hired a head writer, Tom Johnson, who some of you know from the Morning Sedition days, just a brilliant guy, great team, director, a set deck, and we made a little TV show, and I invited some of you to come, and some of you did, and I really appreciate you being there. You made it, you made it a great experience for me. You know, I have not had any method to uh, to contact people that are at all and you know like what I do. In a long time, and, and, and I tell you, it's, it was just nice having people that I knew dug me in the audience, being supportive. Some of you came down with your WTF shirts, and uh, it really made it good because there was a time in my life, I'm getting too old. Let me tell you something. I am getting too old to fucking panic, and I know I've got a lot of younger people listening to this show. If you can do yourself any favor at all, give yourself a fucking break and don't freak out so much. It's a waste of energy, and eventually, just by virtue of age and wisdom, you will not need to do it anymore. So if you can get a jump on that and just accept yourself the way you are, where you are in your life, that'll be such a load off of your back. Just such a load. You know, don't worry about what other people think because most of that is something you're making up anyways. Just try to be who you are. All right, you might get hurt, but just try to do it. Trying to... You know, second guess what everyone thinks about you and, and trying to please people and all that shit. What a fucking waste of time. Because you're making it all up and you're denying yourself the freedom to be you. What am I, a motivational speaker? Well, anyways, what I'd like to say is the show went great. And of course, yesterday, as usual, when I have something important to do, I spent the entire day feeling like I was getting sick. Like, I have not been stressed out about this thing. I do not have a lot of stress in my life other than just being me and being awake. But I was okay with everything. And then the day of, I'm like, oh, my God, I've got cancer. Something's going on in my body. What's happening? After keeping cool for so long. And then I, then I realized, well, maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe you won't be so intense and panicky and freaked out and bug-eyed when you get out there. Maybe this is the God you don't believe in's way 
of, of making you relax. But it went great. Chelsea was great. Everybody was great. It was a great time. We'll see what happens. And you know what else I did yesterday? Here I got to do this big thing. I'm, you know, you got all these executives sitting there from Comedy Central. Many of them I've known my entire life. You've been in this business long enough, you know, struggling, trying to, to make a break of some kind. These people see you grow up. They see me in every phase. They all have stories about how I did something uh, <laughs> memorable. I'm not going to say bad. I'm going to say memorable. But it seems to dissipate. All this shit dissipates as you get older. All I know is that today I'm in the garage and I'm talking to you guys and I love doing this. In my mind, if this show doesn't go, I've got this and I've never had that before. I've never had something that I love doing. I mean, I love doing stand-up, but you're still, you're working for somebody else. You got expectations. So I was excited to get up and get in the garage. I guess that's good. I guess it's good. So what I'm saying to you folks is if this Comedy Central show doesn't work, it's on you. So you can go to WTFPod.com and, and subscribe or make a donation. And God knows I appreciate your donations. It, you know, it's really keeping me afloat right now. And I got the T-shirts. And that was the other thing I was panicking about yesterday. I am no small businessman. Let me tell you. I was working off the wrong Excel sheet. All of a sudden, I realized there was like eight people that didn't get their T-shirts. And, I'm, you know, there's part of me that's just a codependent freak. And I felt horrible. So now I got I had to get new t-shirts printed. So I got a bunch of new, everything's working out. We got the shirts. Nerdcock shirts are available. Not flying off the shelf like I anticipated. I guess my big funny idea, it becomes a little daunting when one has to wear it. But I do have the Nerdcock shirts. And you know what it means. I, I emailed uh, Dana Diarmond, the porn star, to see if she would wear one of my Nerdcock shirts. Hey, who cares if I got a, if it, you know, if I got a box full of Nerdcock shirts that nobody wants? They're special. And if you don't have the, the moxie to wear them, then fine. I wore mine to the Y on Sunday, which I, in retrospect was a mistake because the Y is a family place. So I'm walking around, their kids running around. I got nerd cock on my shirt. Some parent had to explain that. How are you going to explain that to a kid? I, I have to explain it to adults. Well, what the fuck does that shirt mean? It's the new paradigm. Jock cock is dead. Rock cock is dead. Nerd cock transcends. All heed the nerd cock. Even saying that makes you crazy. How's a parent going to explain that? Got my hair cut. I know, the, you know there are more important things to think about, but this is, what, this is what my life is. I'm all filled with vitamins. I got my JustCoffee.coop. I'm drinking it out of my Bill Hicks mug. Pow! I just shit my pants. I'm all full of vitamins and lemonade. Peed outside. I'm wearing my Thelonious Monk hand-knitted beanie. To keep the crazy in. And I'm sitting in my garage. Oh fuck. I left the heater on. God damn it. Sorry about that. Is that better? Sorry Brendan. Leave this in. Leave it all in. Leave all the nitty gritty heater sounds in. Fuck it. Got my hair cut yesterday. That's another thing I don't panic about. There was a time in my life. Where your hair equals your identity. How many things, like I can watch myself on television over the years and see so many attempts at, at trying to do something. I'm not sure what it was. It wasn't anything specific. It was just something would make it right. Some piece of clothing, some haircut, some eyeglass frame. Something would make it all fit. And it's just this, per, it's like I'm a clown. 
What clown outfit am I going to show up on? I went on Conan O'Brien years ago wearing leather pants and a Nehru jacket. Who the fuck did I think I was? I'm so glad I've leveled off. Now I've got like four shirts, three pairs of pants, two, three pairs of shoes, and I commit to them and wear them until they fall apart. That's who I am. I'm that guy. Does he ever change his shirt? No. I have three shirts. I like them. This is what it is. Then last night I had to be on stage, had to get a haircut. I had a mild mild freak out on the haircut because it was getting long and it's getting bushy and it's getting gray on the sides and I look like my father. So I'm like, I got to look young. It's for Comedy Central. You know, I I mean, I got to go in. I got recommended a hairstylist. I went in there on the Tuesday, the Tuesday before the taping, taking a big risk. I don't know you. You don't know me. Don't fuck this up. I don't want to go on stage thinking I look like a clown. I don't want to go on stage with a mullet. Don't mullet me, baby. So I got the haircut. It went all right. But I was a little panicky and I felt embarrassed. So I asked the woman who was cutting my hair, Lisa. Very good. Very nice lady. I said, is it normal? You ever seen guys panic? uh, You ever seen people, you know, panic like this about their hair? She goes, well, one time. There was this woman, but she had other problems. So I remind you of a woman who had other problems. Okay, that's fair. And then she said, well, I had to actually, I had to fire her. You get fired by your hairdresser. You got to be some kind of pain in the ass. Am I wrong? Sorry, I missed the, uh, the State of the Union address. What happened? Is everything fixed? I hope everything's fixed. We got an interesting show today. I want to mention, because this is going to be on Monday. A lot of you are going to listen to it on Monday. Any L.A. people, I will be at the uh, Improv Wednesday night with Eugene Merman in some sort of uh, comedy circus that he's operating. Uh, So if you want to come down and see that, you're welcome to. On this show, I had a nice conversation with a friend of mine, Antonia Crane, who is a stripper slash writer slash badass, uh, pal of mine, blogger, interesting community. We're mixing it up. Got a lot of good shows coming up. Got John Caparulo coming up. Matt Walsh from UCB's coming up. Got W. Kamau Bell and Dwayne Kennedy. We're going to get to the bottom of the race issue. Oh, also on the show, we've got uh, Michael Garvey from uh, Homebound Buddies. Uh, reach out organization doing the big work enjoy so wait what kind of motorcycle do you drive generally well i have a 1973 honda two-stroke so you're like um you're a fucking badass kind of yeah well compared to you i guess yeah, well, that's the issue. Uh, Will you ride bitch? Yeah, I'll ride really? bitch. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any problem I with riding that. bitch. Why? Do you find that most men won't ride bitch? They don't generally like to. I don't like riding bitch. I like to be in the driver's seat. Yeah, okay. So, I, always? No, not always. All right. Well, my guess... There's limits to that. Well, I, I think that you probably have a, a long list of limits that I, I don't even <laughs> understand. My guess is Antonia Crane. She is a writer she writes writes a, a lot about the sex industry at which she has been part of in one way or another for how many years 
Um, since I was in my mother's womb. Really? About, <laughs> was she? about 17 years. What does that mean when, on. like, people talk about the sex industry? Because I've not had, you're like, I have not had a lot of women on the show, number one. I noticed that. Uh, it's not. I'm going to spank you for that later. The I price need more I have from to you. Because I need more from you. We'll do it. Okay. I, we'll try to get that done. <laughs> but, um, but this is also something that I don't usually do on the show. It's like I primarily talk to comedians, but I know you. We've talked about a, a little before. Now, because the sex industry thing, I, I've talked about porn on this show. Now, here's a couple things you, you, you should know about me. I, um, all right, first of all, let me ask you, like, what is the sex industry? What does that cover? Okay, the sex industry is just an umbrella term, and it involves um, everything performative. It includes sex. It includes stripping, dancing, bikini dancers, bachelor party girls, escort, porn, uh, lap dancing, porn, everything like that. And so, this is a, a it's an umbrella term. Okay, but like, I guess my my primary issue is that in my mind, I, I watch porn, but I don't, you know, I don't get attached to it. Are you ashamed of it? Are you ashamed of your no. desire? No, no, no. I'm not oh, ashamed okay. of my desire, but it's like, I think I'm fairly short-sighted in that, like, I use it to get to a place that makes me feel good, and then I'm sort of done with it. Like, I don't I don't find a tremendous amount of joy in, like, having a collection or watching it for long periods of time. You're not emotionally invested in it? Right. And, and there's some part of me that thinks there's something wrong with it, not on a moral level, but, like, I think one of the things I'd, I'd like to talk about is that I think there's this idea that people in porn or people in the sex industry are just fucked up. Yeah, there is that cliche. And, and people and, like Tyra Banks love to exploit that and and show how people are fucked up and they've been abused. And But, you know, I, I do have to say that um, that cliche exists for a reason and nobody ends up in the sex industry by accident. Okay. But there are a lot of really great, well-rounded, complex, brilliant individuals in the sex industry. So you're saying that what there's what she's saying it has some foundation in truth, but it's not the, the overall case. Right. Like there are plenty of people that get fucked up and end up there, you know, not necessarily against their will, but because they're fucked up and they're taken advantage of. But that doesn't diminish the fact that there's still a lot of great people in it. Absolutely. They're all great people. It's just it's a workforce. I mean, do you think, oh, waitresses, God, they must be so fucked up. Yeah, I think bartenders. Oh, my God. They were molested by their uncle and their father and their mothers and their sex addicts. And oh, shit. (laughs) No, I don't think sex industry is the same way. Well, I do like to find that out about a waitress after. (laughs) That's always a pleasant surprise when you meet a waitress that like, oh, has great. all those attributes. Right. Great. She's fucked up and crazy and was abused and she's perfect. I'm yeah, going to marry she's her. Great. Yeah. But I, bank but, tellers. Sure. Everybody's I mean, any workforce, up. any labor force you're going to find. And um and I don't and I'm and I think that the problem the problem that we have is that the media what they're shown is just this very narrow version of sex workers and how they're portrayed in the media is as fuck ups and people like Tyra Banks and other people that love to show sex workers show them as you know fuck ups and the weird thing about it is to me is that uh, you know the sex industry has obviously been around forever but there's something has happened in the last 10 years or so where and I've talked about this a bit before where everything has been pornified I mean I the the mainstreaming of strippers and porn that's happened in the last 10 years is just mind-blowing to me is that is that a plus for the porn for the for the world I don't know. Hmm. Um, I do think we're saturated with porn. It's complicated. Okay, what's well, uncomplicated? Um, okay, let's uncomplicate it. So, I mean, I think the problem is that people are so repressed. And I think that the sex industry gives an outlet to people's desire that they feel shitty about and repressed about. It gives them kind of a safe forum, a consensual safe forum, which brings me to, you know, obscenity laws in California and obscenity laws in general and 
the definition of prostitution in California? Like, why is porn legal? Why can actresses do double anal at all? Movies? I mean, just physically, it seems difficult. <laughs> <laughs> why can they? But a girl can't give a hand job uh, legally. She can get busted for that. But couldn't the person doing double anal get busted if they went to the house? If there was money exchanged. Which there is. And so you're saying doing, that's the hypocrisy. Well, the First Amendment protects the the freedom of expression, the right to free speech. And free speech and freedom of expression is covered under the First Amendment. So that's it's considered an art form. That's where it's sticky, too, because I would say, how dare you say that my uh, what I do for a living isn't an art form? It is very much. It's an art form. Giving hand jobs. Yeah, well, giving hand jobs, dancing. I've been mostly an exotic dancer for 17 years. Now, t- you just got stuff. here. You were just with a client before you got here. I was. And what what was what what kind of client was that? He was um he's a 60 plus year old black man with um, Parkinson's disease. Yeah. And um he got an erotic massage from me and a girl that I work with. So we do a lot of girl girl stuff, and it's really fun and safe. And uh, we do a girl girl show. How much does something like that go for? Uh, we made four hundred dollars, so two hundred each. That's pretty good. Hours yeah. work. One hour. Not bad. Actually, you know, it's like your therapist. It's like a forty-five minute hour. See, now I completely agree with that. See, that seems reasonable and responsible, and I think that they should have, like, in the workplace, I think they should have someone like you come and say, like, look, if anybody is stressing out today or or is angry, um, Antonia is here. She'll be in this in the break room. Yeah. From one to three, Come if in. anybody wants a hand job or wants to see Let her and her friends you. stick their fingers in each other, okay? It's totally That's- hot. And if you film us, we have the right to free speech and freedom expression, freedom of expression. But if you don't film us, we're breaking the law. Exactly. Do you do film? Sting. I don't. Well, you know. Uh, Is there any out there I'm that basically- you don't know about? Because <laughs> I looked and I couldn't find anything. Well, I, I'm. A, I've actually. I've been a porn extra. I'm a terrible porn, a porn extra. extra. I'm an extra in two porns. What I don't does even that know mean? The names of them. I'm an extra. It means that I was wearing a ball gown in a hundred-year-old building uh, in Pasadena. I was actually making everybody laugh. Yeah. And I got in trouble, and I, they kept like, going, "Are you done yet?" Yeah. This is serious business. This is serious here. business. Are She's you done yet? She's got two dicks in her. Please. Yeah. Let was, her focus. I was making Kieran Lee laugh, uh-huh. and um, they just got pissed at me. And so I'm a bad porn extra. I look right into the camera, and I'm totally irritating. <laughs> and it's not enough money anyway. It's just for me, it was just fun. It was a fun thing to write about. Well, it's sort of funny the idea that like the the joke is that porn actors and actresses can't act. So like the the idea that there's porn extras. <laughs> that's that's got to be like the next rundown. I'm not yeah. it's saying that you're not talented, but I mean, who wants to be a porn extra? I started at the top, and I'm making my way down. That's good. Yeah, it's good. It's humbling. Here's well, okay. I, I have a master's degree and in, in, um, creative writing, and so. that's what you're working on a memoir. I'm working on a memoir. I want to get back. We're going to talk about that, but I need to get. I need let's to get to the bottom of this. See, I'm not a guy like I've done radio shows, okay, and I've been around. Like I still have. I don't know if it's reverence or nervousness. For people, yeah, in the sex industry, but I'm not a guy like I've done Opie and Anthony. I've been on shows where they have porn actresses, right. and basically the the angle on those shows is they sit around and go, "All right, so you know, like when you take a dick out of your ass and you suck it, I mean, is, is that's pretty good, right?" They don't have a discussion about it, and for me. I'm just trying to figure out why I get because I'm not a prude, but I'm also not that pervy. I don't, you know, I never crave weird things. Like I don't have any real fetishes. Um, I like when things feel connected and good. Like if there if there's connected oh, okay. sex, that I'm good me, with it. That brings me to the next point. I don't know if you're a prude. Maybe I will have the pleasure of finding that out for myself. But no. um, you brought up an interesting thing that people. Um, 
Although you don't have to connect love and sex. Right. You know, it's great when it happens. I think the reason why... I wasn't talking about love. I just connected sex. Connection. Well, I think that people seek out sex workers like myself and dancers and bikini girls and bachelor party girls and whatever, escorts, because I think that Americans are volcanically lonely. Oh, interesting. And I think that's what we were talking about in terms of culture. You were interested in the sex industry and what it means in the culture today. Volcanically lonely. And that's um, from reading a lot of Steve Almond. I love how he talks about sex in a really awkward, kind of a lonely, painful way. And I think that um, that is absolutely true about people in general, that they're looking for a connection. Yeah. Because they're volcanically lonely. Which means they're about to explode with loneliness. Yeah. So, I do think that. And um, so they're looking for that connection, and sex workers offer that connection. Now, whether it's tenuous, if it's for an hour, or if it's for if it's every week, Thursday between 11.30 and 12.30 every week, they want a connection. I th- you see, that's the one thing that's interesting, because I've never been a person that... And the computer can't offer that. That's right. By the way. You can't offer smell and feel and smell, touch feel, and talk and connection. Talk. Yeah. And I, I think that's interesting, because I never really saw it that out but i understand it like i know because in my business i know friends of mine that that do in, engage in in paying people to to do that stuff mm-hmm. and i in, i understand it why wouldn't you do that there there's there's boundaries there's a context there there's a service being provided mm-hmm. and you, it's a service industry right and and what why 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 don't i do that I don't know why. Because you have issues. <laughs> well, no, because I don't need to. I don't feel like I need to. But then the, you okay. would say that even... But there are people that aren't volcanically lonely that like say like, well, well twice a month, I'm going to have her come over and do that thing that uh, only she well, does. Yeah. That's different. That's not loneliness. That's, well, and I think that that's also that people are kind of bored and anxious to a point where it's kind of an epidemic. And that brings us back to like the psych meds thing and, and the culture and... People that work really hard, like, for example, the other day I had a guy who's very powerful and he works downtown. He's an attorney and he's, you know, 69 years old and married and kids and loves talking about his kids and his family. And um, and I make it really clear to these guys that I'm here to enhance your life, not uh-huh. help you cheat on your wife. Like, I'm uh-huh. really clear about that. And um, But he has a wife. And he has a wife. I'm not helping him cheat on his wife. I'm just here to enhance his life. And he has the subversive desire. And I love that. There's nothing sexier or maybe, but it's very sexy to me when a man knows exactly what he wants. He brought all of his toys and his thigh-high fishnets red. Oh, so that's very specific. And he brought weights and cock and ball torture and nipple torture and all these toys. And it was just, it was a ball. I had a total blast. Holy shit. That's that's, a lot of equipment. And he wants to have fun. He works his ass off. He probably, you know, brings home 500 grand a year. He works, you know, 70 hours a week and he wants to have fun. He's bored. He's anxious. He's overworked and okay. wants to have a good time and but why can't he do that stuff with his wife why can't he do that stuff with his wife right that's not your problem because monogamy doesn't really work well okay. no i do feel like i have an obligation to the wife actually okay and I how does that to... make you what how does that weigh on you well i don't um fuck for money okay i mean i i'm again i'm here to enhance their lives so you, okay cheat on their wife so. okay so you don't you don't have so what are, what are the parameters of what you do then for Personally, money. no. I mean, like in, in that situation, you're not fucking him. You're you're doing this. I actually did fuck thing. him with his dildo in his ass. The dildo that vibrates and goes up his ass. I made him so, fuck himself. <laughs> I I helped him with that so process. You did, so, so in that made way, him you, look in the mirror. He called me his. You know, I called him his my dirty little fuckhole. Oh, okay. He was really into that, and it was beautiful. Okay, but so so the boundary you didn't cross was fucking for money and and doing that. And my dress never even came off. <laughs> See, this is the whole world. Like, you know, I don't... And it was a connection. And how dare you say that that's not a performance? Like, no, and that that's not art. Not you, but you being California. Just picturing it to me, I felt like it was a performance. It's performance yeah, art. To, 
it is. And it is a genuine connection, but I don't let them into my life. Like, I'm not going to go, you know, to a tea party with this guy or, or like go to one of his depositions. Right. But, um, you know, he evidently needs an outlet and he's not alone. There are millions and millions of guys out there like him that need an outlet. And they may or may not be volcanically lonely. I think that people kind of are. No, I, th- I think that's true. And, and I, I guess it like, I guess the way I, I characterize it in my head, I guess there's a couple of things going on. I think that specifically pornography on the internet be, can become an issue to certain people because they never stop and it, it can destroy their life. And I think it can destroy their relationships. You're talking about sex addiction. Sex addiction. Yeah. And also the fact that, you, you know, I know personally people that get to a point with pornography where they're unable to connect with, with women in any other way other than you know, seeing them as these one-dimensional things. I've seen that happen, but that's their own issue, and that comes from volcanic loneliness, but that comes from a, an element of disconnection, which sure. I think internet porn causes. It provides, it's a shield. It, yeah, it's absolutely. yet another shield. But we're talking about interfacing with another human yeah, being, and that is, is a connection, and it's yeah, very intense. It and then they can leave and go on with their Their life. day. Their day, their deposition. That's so, it's, it, there's their some, county job. Whatever. I don't know why my brain wants to treat to, you know, twist it into something that like that's weird or that you know that seems wrong or people are know. complex. Yeah, I know they are. And I'm desire getting, is complex. It's yeah, and it doesn't com- really fit into his life. I mean, I don't know why he keeps. But it what if his wife found out about it? I don't know. What would happen? Maybe she would divorce him, or maybe she'd be like, "Cool, honey, will you put on those thigh-high red fishnets for me?" And, and that puts you out of a gig, so you don't does want that to happen. Put me out of a gig. You hope that their repression <laughs> stays. That that they're you're the only one that they can trust their uh, their uh, um, fetishes with, right? Yeah. How is how is the recession treating? How is it affecting the sex industry? Well, that's an interesting point to bring up because I have a column that talks all about sex work and recession and the recession and I um. Well, specifically to L.A., L.A. sucks for dancing. You can't touch in the clubs here. It's the ABC laws. There's no touching where there's alcohol in the clubs. Uh-huh. And so you're actually giving an air dance, which is complete. It's ridiculous. You can't have full nudity with, where there's alcohol, exactly. right? Exactly. No, not even topless. You huh. cannot show nipples. But you can in the Bible Belt. Explain me that. I don't know what that what is. What is the logic? Um, so I go to New Orleans to dance, where the laws. I'm not sure what the laws specifically are in Louisiana. Are I think there it's laws no touching. <laughs> People go to Louisiana to break lo- break rules and break yeah. loose, and I think there are there is a no touching rule, but uh-huh. no one abides by it. It's uh-huh. like Texas. They're like, we don't give a shit. We're going to touch in the clubs here. Well, that happens here too. Where? I I had maybe one. So uh, you have been to a strip club. Well, yeah, you're but not I, a prude. No, no, no. I just, I, I don't, like, my my only issue with a lot of this type of stuff is that there's part of me that wants to believe that they really like me. And and I'm yeah. sort of a sucker like that. So, like, well, I know that the... the, the they do, but right. not in the way that you, maybe in your fantasy it goes. I don't even know if it's a fantasy. I just want to know that I'm different, that I'm not just, a <laughs> you know, another guy that's doing this thing. But the one, and I know that if I go to a strip club and I experience that, if I see a woman where I'm like, no, this is, I, if I feel that connection, the intelligent part of me knows, like, she's really good at her job. Mm-hmm. The ridiculous, infantile, insecure part of me thinks like, no, no, she really likes me. Right. So when that happens, it's it's good. It's rewarding. But ultimately, it's a little frustrating. But anyway, so I go to this club. Yeah. Um, and there was it was no alcohol. Mm-hmm. But so you can touch. Right. Spearmint rhino, probably. Right. But I mean, I didn't realize you could touch that much. 
Uh-huh. Like, yeah. what are the parameters of that? Because I, you know, I was able to do more things than I assumed I would be able to do. Before, and I literally was like, do, do, do yeah. you want to give me your phone number? Do, do you want to get married? Do you want to move in with me? Because right. Move in. Stripper in a U-Haul. Oh, Let's no. do it. So before I talk about the spearmint rhino, okay. I just have to say that I'm a hundred years old and stripper. That said, um, spearmint rhino, because there's no alcohol, they hire girls like 18 years old. So it's a bunch of 18 year old girls. Right. Um, and there is touching and there's probably a lot more that goes, goes on in those clubs. However, the corporate douchebags that run the Spearmint Rhino and clubs like the Spearmint Rhino charge a thing called stage fees and they, they extort money from a girl's tips, which is illegal in the state of California, but they get away with it left you and right. You mean they're actually pushing them to push their limits? Yes, they push them to push their limits. If a girl makes $1,500, the club gets 700 of it or more. They're total pimps. It's total pandering. I refuse to work for the Spearmint Rhino because of that and places like the Spearmint Rhino because they're run by douchebags. And um, they extort money from a girl's tips, which is totally illegal in the state of California. Got it. But getting back around to respecting the community of sex, of sex industry. Workers. Yeah. When I read a piece, that, and I don't think I'd ever really looked at it quite like this, because I, I've been a little condescending towards... Um, Cooters young, girls? And- no, modern day burlesque and, oh. and um, sort of retro stripping in the <laughs> sense that, it, to me, it, 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 I respect the form and I'm glad that people were kind of reinventing those old dances and, mm-hmm. and the style of that. But I, I thought it was like sort of like a, a silly, almost like, you know, circus. You know, that yeah. it wasn't real sex workers. It was sort of like girls who may not have ever really done that going, well, I can do it if it's like this, you know, yeah. and, and, and safe. And I, I sort of condescended to it. But there is a piece that you did. Uh, That's funny because burlesque dancers kind of look down upon strippers. Because found they think they're better than strippers oh no see i i go the, go other, the way. other way that's yeah. right what i learned from reading the interview you did with uh with one of the women i think that you met in uh, new orleans i can't remember her name a dancer but there was uh, she was talking about the idea that the community of women and the community of sex workers they're almost like pirates and gypsies and people yeah, that's with laura long. jackson she's in right. new orleans right now right and like in and being somebody who is you know, from comedians and we're this really the same yeah and we're just a bunch of you know borderline you know outlaws and social mm-hmm. awkward people with you know, yeah. weird stories that have chosen a life mm-hmm. that is anything but but mainstream that doesn't mm-hmm. really yield much security but it's what we want to do and there's yeah. a certain freedom in it yeah that absolutely. i was able to sort of frame it mm-hmm. in, in a different way mm-hmm. and and that now it sort of made more sense to me why uh, you know, there's so many. I know a lot of comics and strippers and porn people have always been sort of around comedy, certainly in LA. But even since Lenny Bruce, that you know, his wife mm-hmm. uh, was a, a stripper. But it's because we live this life. Mm-hmm. It's a great. That's a great um, interview to bring up because the f- great thing about Laura Jackson, you know, how we talk about oh, well, we all have our issues around the industry. Mm-hmm. Well, we, strippers do too. And one of her things was that she never thought she was pretty enough, right, to dance. And um, so it was very empowering for her to get hired at these clubs and to do this. And then she she really has a lot of love for her fellow dancers. And she's like, oh, my gosh, so-and-so is a great hustler. And she models herself after them and learns. It's just such a it's such a playground of learning. Right. Learning and, and, how and, to. And also, I think that there's like, I guess my concern in, in talking about it is that there, the crux of my 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 intellectual issue with you know, um, post form, uh, post porn feminism and empowerment through, uh, you know, the taking back of, of sexuality and, and sexual power mm-hmm. is that it's, it's very, there's a, there's a sort of a line, fine line in it in that, you know, you can intellectualize that. And certainly somebody who approaches it like you do, you know, can sort of, you know, speak to that. 
but I'm not sure that there is empowerment in, in you know, like a, a Bukaki film or in like in graphic representations or, or sort of almost rape uh, pornography mm-hmm. and women who don't have the same kind of control that yeah. you're speaking of. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, some sometimes sure. or another it gets a little confusing that Absolutely. there really is a difference between the idea of owning yourself, taking responsibility for working in the industry you work in mm-hmm. and those people who are victims in the industry. Sure. Um, yes, it okay. can be very depressing. I right. worked in the Market Street Cinema, which uh, there were a lot of addicts, a lot of junkies, a lot of homeless girls, very sad. Um, but the difference, um, and I, and my situation is unique too, not in like a Cody Diablo type of unique where she's a hell of a writer, but she's a poser. Right. She, she could have left the industry at any time. She had an office job the whole time she was dancing. I'm talking about her book, A Year in the Life of the Unlikely Stripper. Yeah. Um, hell of a writer again, yeah. but poser. Yeah. And just because you say you're a poser doesn't mean I forgive you. You're just a poser. You're a poser. Anyway, I look at you, you're a poser. Right. But girls who do it because they need, and I needed it. I didn't have any other job. I didn't feel like, I feel that I had any options. Uh-huh. Now I have options. I have a couple of college degrees and I'm choosing to do it. And I'm sober. I took all, I took my clothes off sober. Yeah. I started, I wasn't doing it to fuel a drug habit or support a junkie boyfriend. Right. Um, but there was that. However, those girls are contacting me on Facebook and they're teachers and writers. And one is in that book I gave you, actually. Okay. That's a that's an issue of, uh, what's the name of the magazine? Black Clock. And that's it's a, Cal Arts, California. It's a literary, um, literary journal. journal. Yeah. And you have a chapter from your memoir in there. Yeah. It's Do you have a title Facebook. for your memoir? Uh, Tales of a Sexual Outlaw. Oh, shit. So, you know, it's not always empowering for women, and it is depressing. I mean, you think I haven't left a strip club crying in tears because I couldn't, you know, I didn't make any money, and it's humiliating. It's humiliating. It can be humiliating. Well, th- well, that's, well, that type um, of humiliation is something I can understand, that if I go do a stand-up show and I don't make people laugh, I certainly feel bad. I feel yeah. embarrassed. I'm not saying that we don't need to champion every, you know, But I'm just saying that, that there's some, I think some people get into the sex industry who are definitely taken advantage of and victimized. Absolutely. I met 19-year-old runaways with pimps. Yeah. Who were turning tricks. Um, it was it's very sad. It can be very depressing. So what's the solution to that? I mean, how because that seems to be what the media goes with. Mm-hmm. That seems to be, you know, what the criticism of the sex industry is, is that all these women are damaged. And as we know, as I know, that you know, you can be damaged, but you know, rise above your damage and still not necessarily change what you do in life, but you have a different disposition about it. So what well, I guess my question is, what do you do about those girls? Everybody knows that hookers and strippers are too stupid to figure it out for themselves. And I'm being facetious. Um, there's all kinds in right. the industry. And, in, and, in any industry, I guess. And I, and I, and I think that um, because we have a religious agenda and a view about sex that's very uh, shaming. But that they know, like to focus on those strippers but and hasn't those gotten a, hookers and those... But hasn't it got a lot less? I mean, let's be honest. That's the other thing that's amazing to me is obviously the sex industry is making a fuckload of money. Yeah. Because, like, if you look at the Reagan administration, that, you know, they had the Mies report. They, you know, porno was the enemy. Yeah. They were going to clamp down. Mm-hmm. And they haven't done fucking anything right. in about 10 years. You don't even hear about it. And the only w- reason I can see is that... It's driving the internet. There's, there must be billions of dollars being made, you know, specifically on, on the, the internet, internet with porn. Mm-hmm. So that's paid, and that's going up through the politicians and through everything else because you don't even hear about it. Yeah. I mean, no one ever talks about pornography as a social issue anymore. Yeah, it's fucking mind blowing. It's big business. It's big business. But the porn companies, they're not making as many films because everything is digital and online and free. 
Well, you know who's making money? Corporations like GE. Yeah. You know, people that own the, uh, you know, the hotel room porn franchises. Sure. That a lot it's of like business. legit corporations are making a fortune. So strippers are a threat to that in- infrastructure. Uh-huh. Um, hookers, specifically escort girls, are a threat to that infrastructure because Is- they are making money. We are making money ourselves. We're not giving handing it over to a club. You can do it pimpless now. Pimplessly. Go pimpless on the internet. Go pimpless. <laughs> It's my jam. Now, okay, so you know, in in wrapping up here, uh, do we do we legalize prostitution in some way? I mean, what what would you like to see? What would be the healthiest thing for the industry that you work in, and uh, also taking care of women who are in it who don't want to be in it that have found themselves there, helping them transition out yeah. of the industry. I was a um, counselor for triple diagnosed youth in San Francisco. What does triple diagnosed mean? It's um, they're infected with HIV, psych and psych issues and drug and alcohol abuse issues uh-huh. 17 to 24 year olds yeah um but more importantly like i i um gave uh lectures to women who are transitioning out of the industry like job readiness programs and also just um harm reduction basically if they're on the streets turning tricks like here's how you cheek a condom don't ever go into an alley don't get into a car with someone you don't know don't go somewhere you're not familiar with you know just talking openly with women in shelters about sex education self-care and harm reduction Right. So just, um, I don't know why we're on that topic. I guess it's just, I'm passionate about it. No, it's an important topic, so, you know, to, to sort of frame this in a different way than what, what most people the, look at. Back it. to the labor th- labor issue, too. I um I wrote a screenplay yeah. with a friend yeah. about, um we unionized the lusty lady yeah. in 95. I remember when that happened. SEIU Local 790 Exotic Dancers I was Alliance. there. I was in San Francisco in 93. Yeah, 90, uh, but it, so it was, I, it was starting to happen. I remember there were there it was were a street very political time. Yeah, we picketed. Yeah, I remember that. So I have a screenplay about that. Oh, that's exciting. And so we're um, my co-writer and I, Silas Howard, we're on a um, we are on a second draft of a screenplay. It's kind of exciting. That's great. About that time in the sex industry. And you're working on a memoir. And I'm you have on a, memoir. A, a, what is it, a weekly uh, column on? Monthly. Monthly on, on the, the Rumpus. Rumpus. That's Stephen Elliott's website. And you're like, uh, and you ride a motorcycle. I'm working. Yeah. And I, yeah, I don't want a sugar daddy. Nah. I want to retire with money in the bank and I want a book deal. Okay. So, let's, let's see if yeah. we can make that happen. So if anyone out there has found this, uh, who wants to sign Antonia to a book deal, uh, yeah. contact me. If you want to uh, make her movie, uh, I'll, I'll forward her the email. If you want, if you want to flash me. Yeah, if you want to flash her, apparently you can just do that. Um, <laughs> if you want the hand job, the double yeah. curl thing. Well, we'll have to refinance this garage if you want a hand job, Mark. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I want to give you a lot of hand jobs, so <laughs> we're gonna have to refinance oh, your garage. This so this you interview, can afford it. This interview is gonna cost me. So I, I guess uh, we'll 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 finish up, and uh, I guess I gotta decide whether I'm gonna. I'll leave you to imagine that. Thank you for talking to me. (laughs) Thank you. I know some of you are losing faith in my my booking abilities because I, I do try to book people that that are helpful and that are doing things in the world because I don't I don't really do political talk radio anymore, but certainly I want to reach out to people any way I can because a lot of us are experiencing the same type of frustrations and anger and and, and problems. And I, I haven't always batted uh, a thousand with uh, with guests, but we, we try to do what we can. And, and I'm hoping today, uh, you know, we'll sort of renew your faith in my ability because uh, today I found a gentleman who is who is doing something that I think is very compassionate. 
and, and very uh, community service oriented. Uh, my guest today is Michael Garvey. Welcome, sir. Thank you. That's uh, quite a lead in. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let me just uh, like tell tell people my understanding. Now, your organization is Homebound Buddies. Homebound Buddies, that's right. And and you are basically you know providing. It, it's not like Meals on Wheels. It's not you, you know you're not delivering goods, but you're. you're what, what is the agenda? I mean, what what do you do? Um, I like to say it's a, a a lifeline through the phone to the lost souls of L.A. Oh, so it's I, primarily I, L.A. right now. Yeah. Okay. I, I live in L.A. and. Uh, I can call obviously anywhere, but a lot of the people that I end up calling are people who are in the Los Angeles area. So this is only a, a phone service, you don't? It is a phone service. Okay. Yeah. So now, what is it exactly? I mean, what what you uh, you deal with people who are homebound? Yeah. Um, I guess I'll give you a little backstory if that's sure. okay. Yeah. Um, I was a bit of a, a, I don't know, outcast. I guess as a young boy, and uh, I never fit in, and I went through. A period where I was uh, a shut-in by my own choice. Um, the other kids didn't really like me, and for whatever reason, I was weird. I, I wasn't really weird, but they, they thought I was weird. And, yeah. And so um, I had to get myself out of that and feel normal. And I read a U.S. Census the other day. There's 1.3 million people in this country yeah. that could be categorized as shut-in or homebound. Now that's that- a lot of people who are feeling like I did was a, uh, as a teenager, and it really, it really hit me as like, well, am I going to live in my house in the valley and just take care of myself? Or am I going to reach out to the people who went through something that I know? Right. Well, now homebound can mean a lot of things. It can mean people with disabilities. It yeah. can mean people with, uh, with sicknesses. But I, I, from what I understand you saying is that yours was a mental issue primarily. Um, it was, yeah, it was a mental, it was a self-imposed. I mean, I, I definitely had, I could walk and I could go to school if I wanted to, but, um, I isolated and I wouldn't leave the house for months at a time. Yeah. Because I would be ridiculed or teased and just simply reading. Like there were other people throughout history and even on the internet, there's other people like me who who felt like they were alone. And you know what? I wasn't alone. Right. And um, all things pass. Sure. And I think um, encouragement, you know, just through friends, uh, authors, and people on the internet. What about your family? Your family? My family, my uh, mother. uh, My mother helped me, but she, in some ways, enabled me Uh to, you know, she encouraged me to stay home. Oh, really? Um, Yeah. Yeah. I I did not go to college until I was 25. Oh. So I spent from like 18 to 25 at home. Really? Yeah. It was a dark time, and I would stay in my room for, you know, long periods of time, and uh, somehow, somehow hope found me. Right. through, Through the... Roof of my mother's house. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how this works, and who do you reach out to? How does that work? Sure. Well, like you said before, um, a lot of people who are homebound or shut-ins mm-hmm. are uh, the aged. There's mm-hmm. a huge aging population in this country. Uh, some people have panic disorders or sure. agoraphobia, uh-huh. and they're unable, and there's no support system. Uh-huh. Uh, so what I started doing is uh, when I decided to create Homebound Buddies, my own non-for-profit, is I said, I'm just going to get... 10 phone numbers mm-hmm. and I went down to the local church that's right on my corner and I said are there any people that you deliver meals on wheels or any people that you need to reach out to mm-hmm. and uh, I called them and uh, I think I talked to seven of them in one night mm. and uh, and I didn't really have an approach and then over I've done it for six months now and over the months I, I've developed like a, a questionnaire where I don't try to get people out of their house I really just try to tell them they're okay and there's people like them and then no expectation past that. All right, so why don't we do one? Why don't we? Why don't I be the person? Would that sure, work? Sure. If we do that, sure. And the, and the idea is, Mark, and I know you have listeners. Is I have like a system now mm-hmm. that if there's other people like me who want to reach out, 
we could get them the email of the questions, and I could give them phone numbers. Okay. And this is truly an outreach. I know you have a lot of listeners. So. Well, I, you know, I, I have depression in my family, so I, you know, I certainly know the frustration of somebody that, that is paralyzed mentally to, to not get out of the house. Okay. All right, so let's say, all right, you've called me, and, and what happens? Well, generally, um, I'll call them, and I'll, I'll say, uh, you know, my name is Mike Garvey. I'm Homebound Buddies. Mike uh, who? Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it is. Yeah. They need a hearing aid, yeah, and yeah. I'll have to say, turn up your hearing right, aid. Right, right, right. And then I'll say, I'm not trying to get money, because there's so many people preying on the disenfranchised in this sure, country. Sure, just They're, hang up. Yeah. They'll just hang up yes, on Yes, so I have to earn their trust by saying, I'm not... Uh, trying to get money. I'm trying to find out who you are. And then I say what the mission statement of Homebound Buddies is to throw a lifeline to the lost souls of Los Angeles. I'll okay, s- so I'll now say that. I'm on the phone with you. Okay. Hi, 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 Mike. Hi. Hi, M- Mark Marin. I know, Mark. I got your number from the YMCA. Oh, uh, nice. The, yeah. Are you with the YMCA? Uh, no, I'm not. I'm with an organization called Homebound Buddies. I don't have any money. Um, you know what? I'm not looking for money. Mm. What I'm looking to do is just talk to you and ask you a few questions. About what? I'm just here alone. Well, pretty much anything you want to talk about. We'll take my questions and whatever you feel like talking about. I think I know what people who don't go outside want to talk about because I've talked to a lot of those people. You want to talk about television? Well, let me ask you first. Okay. Um, how, are, how are you today? I'm okay. You know, my feet hurt. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I sit too long. Yeah, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. right. You know what? I understand that. Yeah. Did you, and then I, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the oh. host of the show now. What I try to do is, almost like an intervention, try to case out where their health is at, if there's an emergency, because they have other, you know, it's not irresponsible, sure. I have a suicide hotline, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, health, healthcare facilities on my uh, desk at all times. So, uh, now we're back in. Okay, case, I'm case. back in the okay. character. All right. Um, did you Did you eat something today? I had a little breakfast, I had toast and half a bowl of cereal. Good. Oh, yeah. Was, I think it was healthy. Good, good, good. Did you have a bowel movement today? What? Did you have a bowel movement today? I, uh, I went. I did. did. I did. I went. Did you have more than one? I don't think so. I okay. would know that, but my memory's not so good. I definitely went once because I remember I had to get up from the table during breakfast. Okay. I'm going to ask you a few questions. I want you to describe your bowel movement. Was it uh, watery with no solids? What? Was it watery with no solids? My shit? Yeah, it was fine. It was fine. I don't do it very okay. often. You know, okay. I, like every two days if I'm lucky, and usually they're good. I mean, that's one of the things Would I Would you describe a- it as uh, being long with a smooth surface? It took a little time. Okay. So, time. so it took a little time. Okay, yeah, so, so it probably was Would not- Would you characterize it as a sausage with surface cracks? What? Like a sausagey one with surface cracks? Yeah, maybe that's good. good. Okay. Yeah, like a little sausage. Were the ends well defined? Were the were there were the ends well defined or were they blobby? The, the ends? Movement? I don't. I didn't spend a lot of time looking at it. Now maybe I, I should I look at it and call you back. No, no. You can you can just try to remember it. Oh, it, yeah. I was. Yeah. It, it was good. The it more was, you talk about it, the better. It was. It was. You know, I just I pinched it off. And it had a nice, a nice uh, tail on it. Okay, was the tail was it fluffy with ragged edges? Right, wait, the tail. This, this is getting me was a little it, uncomfortable. I mean, I, I'm playing along here, but okay. So now we're on like the sixth question about the the shit. That's what people who are homebound have to talk about. That and that is also very common. That's basically what unites us. All right, but I mean, 
right out of the gate. I mean, he asked two questions. There's no TV talk. There's no. Mark, these are people who don't go to movies. They don't know who Britney Spears is. These are people who have sheltered, tragic lives. They don't know the hot restaurant. Everyone has TV. A lot of the shut ins don't watch television. And what unifies us more than our ball movements? Supermodels go to the bathroom. Tom Cruise goes to the bathroom. You know, okay, I, I understand that everybody shits, and it's a it's you're saying that it's a humanizing thing. Yeah, this is your it angle. is. It's the bond. It's the bond between the, all of us. But does everybody talk that specifically about their shit? I can't imagine that you're calling. Well, I happen to know a lot about bowel movements. You don't have to call them shit. I happen to know a lot about feces, so I can get a good gauge on their health, on their intestinal system, and. Quite, fu- quite frankly, I don't mind doing it. Okay, well, I don't mind talking about their bowel well, movements. Well, that's clear. We I just actually, went through like seven questions. Do you have more questions that, that aren't necessarily that, that specific? Like, where, where do we go from there? Just the, the end is, can I call another time? What time? What do you mean, can you call another time? That's it. You asked all the questions? That was all the questions. Mm-hmm. You asked two questions about how I'm doing, and you asked seven questions about my, my shit. Yes. Or bowel movement. Your bowel movement. Yes, I did. Because... <laughs> I'm not sure what you're getting at, Mark. What I really am I don't. Get- I'm not you, sure what am I getting at? I have an outreach service, okay? And I happen to relate to them because, yes, I had a bit of a fetish with feces when I was 20 to 25. And I understand what it's like to be an outcast. So I've taken my own illness and I've channeled it into something that serves a community. And I don't think I'm an oddball or a weirdo or uh, I'm obsessed with it. I'm having a human adult conversation okay, with okay. people quite frankly, don't mind talking about their okay, shits. Okay, okay. Easy. They don't mind talking. All right, just take it easy. All right, just take it easy. Well, you attacked me. I know I did. I, I, I went through this in high school, and, and and I had poop on my hands. Yes. What do you mean? We've all had poop on our hands when we were children, and, and what's the difference if you're 18 if you're five? What are you doing with poop on your hands in high school? I, I, I had poop on my hands because I touched my own poop. Okay, okay. Okay? Yeah. And right now what I do... I am so tired of this country making fun and making light of what... It is completely normal to have a curiosity about your own feces, okay. to be grounded and to touch what came out. Okay. I enjoy it. I understand. I enjoy it, Mark. Okay. Okay. And you know what? what? The people I talk to on the phone do not mind it. Okay. And I do a service to them. Okay. All right, Michael. I understand, and I appreciate you being here. Okay. Do you really? I do. And I, and I, and I, and I, I wish you the best of luck with your, with your endeavor. Homeboundbuddies.com is a great way to get a hold of us. Okay. Okay, that's our show. I, uh, you know, I got it. I really got to get someone booking this thing because I just can't seem to pick them. What can I tell you? I hope you had a good time. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a great week or a great day or whenever you're listening to this great weekend, a great hike, a great visit to the doctor, whatever the fuck you're doing. Uh, I'm speaking directly to you. I hope it's as good as it can possibly be. Remember, anything comedy related that you're interested in or if you want any news, breaking news or anything about the comedy biz, go to punchlinemagazine.com. And as always, WTFpod.com for your Nerdcock t-shirts, your WTF t-shirts. And please, uh, be generous. Uh, It looks like I'm going to be doing this for a living for a long time. But I I certainly appreciate your support, and you will if you subscribe. Get I swear you'll get it. You'll get your T-shirt, you'll get your stickers, you'll get your postcard, and you'll get maybe something else I'll throw in there. Maybe I'll throw in a cookie. And that's about it. I will talk to you next time. Have a good one.